Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Welcome to Lighthouse Community. Uh, We're glad that you joined us this morning, even though it's a snowy morning, and welcome to those joining us from Bluffton uh, and Fostoria and the online campus as well. Uh, My name is Kelly Essinger, and I'm the director of ministry at the Bluffton uh, Community Church Campus. Fritz and I thought it would be nice if we swapped this morning, so Fritz is over at Bluffton preaching, and I get to teach here. So uh, as Matt mentioned, uh, we're continuing in our series this morning called The Overflow of Grace. This is week three. Uh, if you missed the first two weeks of, the, of the, the series, let me encourage you to go back online uh, and listen to those messages. The first one was on God's extravagant grace, and the second one was on uh, Jesus' command to love one another as he loved us. Those two messages are foundational, not just for stewardship, uh, but foundational for what it means to say yes to Jesus as your forgiver for the first time and, and every day after that. So you don't want to miss those two messages. So go back online uh, and look at those messages. As, as uh, Matt mentioned, uh, this morning our focus is going to be on spiritual gifts. And so our main passage is going to come from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. And we're also going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you want to put a bookmark in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we'll, be, we'll be going over there as well. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 10, 11. As you're turning there, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever received a gift, and when you opened it up and saw what it was, you thought, I ain't never going to use that, right? How many? Yeah, that happened to me too. One time I got a sweater, and I put it on, and the sleeves, the sleeves came up to like here, and I took it off and put it back in the box. I was like, nope, not going to wear that. Another time, I was at one of those gift exchanges where uh, you draw a number or something, and then everybody gets to choose a gift, and then people can steal your gift, and I don't know how it all works, but... But anyways, the gift that I ended up with, uh, I opened it up, and you know what was in there? When I, when I opened it up, what I saw was a half-empty bottle of some flowery-scented body lotion, right? <laughs> Somebody grabbed that bottle right out their bathroom and put it in a box, and that's what I got. And when I saw it, I was like, nope, not going to use that back in the box. Uh, my parents just got uh, iPhones, and so there's a gift for people who aren't familiar with iPhones there's a gift that seems a little complex and a, and a little bit mysterious, right? Who is Siri, right? What's the cloud, right? They don't, it, you know, if, if, if you get a gift and it seems a little bit complex and a little bit mysterious, I think what we tend to do is we set that aside and say, uh, I'm not going to use that because it's too complex. It's too mysterious. So I think when it comes to spiritual gifts, we see the same thing. When we hear about spiritual gifts, when we read about them in the Word, they seem a little bit complex. They can seem a little bit confusing. They can seem a little bit mysterious. And so while we might understand that God has given us a gift, what we tend to do because we don't understand it is we set it aside and say, uh, I'm not going to use that. It's too mysterious. One of the things that I think adds to that complexity uh, is that there's so much information out there regarding spiritual gifts. I mean, there's articles, there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's debates online. There's even tests that you can take to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. There's so much information. In the New Testament, there are four passages that deal with spiritual gifts. There's Romans 12, there's 1 Corinthians 12, there's Ephesians 4, and then there's our passage, 1 Peter 4. 
Within those four passages, there are six gifts, there's six lists of spiritual gifts between the four passages. And adding to the confusion is that some of the gifts are listed in more than one passage, and some of them are only listed in one passage. Even Bible scholars can't agree on how many spiritual gifts there are. Some people, when they study, some Bible scholars, when they study these four passages, say, I see 14 spiritual gifts in these lists. Other Bible scholars study it, and they say, well, I see as many as 27 spiritual gifts in the passages. Well, add to that, uh, there's questions about, well, are the, the lists of spiritual gifts meant to be exhaustive? In other words, uh, are the gifts that are listed in the Bible supposed to, is that all the spiritual gifts they are, or are they merely representative? There's more spiritual gifts than what are listed, but these are just representative of some of the spiritual gifts. Uh, and then there's the question, too, of uh, are all of these spiritual gifts still in existence today, or did some of them cease to exist after the early church got founded? And so what we see is there's a whole lot of confusion and complexity and a little bit of mysteriousness when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I think that what that causes is for people to set those aside and say, uh, I'm not going to use it. Uh, my hope this morning is, is that as we look at this topic of spiritual gifts, some of that complexity will shift to clarity uh, and we'll begin to get a better idea of what these gifts are. And more than that, we'll begin to use our spiritual gifts. That's the most important thing. So we're going to look at 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. This is what it says. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us as we get started. Gracious Father, thank you for this opportunity to look in your word. Uh, And I pray, Father, as we learn about your spiritual gifts, that that the mysteriousness and the complexity would would vanish and that we we can uh, gain some clarity this morning. Uh, I pray, Father, that each one uh, would understand the gift they've been given and, more importantly, that they would use it to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the interest of clarity, I always like to know where we're going. So let me give you the roadmap for this morning. Here's our outline. Three points. Number one, each one has received a spiritual gift. Each one has received a spiritual gift. Number two, each one is to use it to serve one another. Each one is to use it to serve one another. And number three, each one is to do so as a steward of the manifold grace of God. And all of that is for God's glory. So there's our outline. So let's get started. The first part of of 1 Peter 4.10 says this, as each one has received a special gift. So if you have said yes to Jesus' leadership in your life, then God has given you at least one spiritual gift. Many of you might have more than one uh, or a combination of some. Peter is talking in 1 Peter, he's talking to believers, uh, and what he says is that each one has received a spiritual gift. Paul also says that in 1 Corinthians 12, where he's talking about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 uh, says this, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then Paul lists some of the spiritual gifts. And then in verse 11, he says again, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So the first thing that we notice about spiritual gifts is that every believer, each one of us individually, has received a spiritual gift. 
So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to tell yourself right now, say this out loud, I have a spiritual gift. I have a spiritual gift. That's true. Peter tells us, I have a spiritual gift. So far, so good, right? Not too complex, not too mysterious, right? God has given you a spiritual gift. Uh, You know what's cool about that gift? The word for special gift in the original language of the New Testament is charisma. That's the Greek word. And if that sounds a little bit familiar, it should, because that, a couple weeks ago in his message about grace, Fritz talked about the Greek word for grace. And the Greek word for grace is charis. Uh, and that's the root word for this uh, word for spiritual gifts. The root word uh, for spiritual gifts is charis, and the word for spiritual gifts is charisma. So the literal translation is that these gifts are a, a, a grace gift freely given from God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. God doesn't owe it to us. But when God poured out his grace, his charis on us, he also gave each one of us charisma or a special gift. God has specifically and uniquely and individually gifted you. You might be thinking, okay, wow, uh, what is it? Which gift did I get? Uh, I'm excited now because I have a gift. I just want to know which one it is. Uh, And this is where I think people sometimes get hung up and sidetracked, it's pretty easy to understand from 1 Peter that each one of us has received a special gift from God. But when it comes to figuring out what that gift is and how to use it, I think that's when many people set their gift aside and say, God, thanks for the gift, but I'm never going to use that because uh, I don't know what it is. So how can I figure out what it is? Well, let's aim for clarity. If you find yourself feeling that way when it comes to spiritual gifts, I want you to listen because this, what I'm going to say now is really, really important. And here it is. Understanding everything there is to know about spiritual gifts and being able to put a name on what the particular gift is that God has given you is not as important as understanding what God wants you to do with your gift. So let me say it again another way to make sure you get it. Using your spiritual gift to serve one another is more important than being able to put a name on what that spiritual gift is. That brings us to our second point. Each one of us is to use our gift to serve one another. Look again at 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a special gift, Peter says, employ it in serving one another. What's more important than finding the right label for your gift is understanding what to do with that gift. And Peter is very clear that we're to use it to serve one another. God did not give you a special gift to be set aside or so that you could go use it on your own. No, your gift is vital to the proper functioning of the church body. Look, in each of the other three passages on spiritual gifts given in the Word, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, they all start out with a description of unity in diversity. Let's look at one of these from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 through 22. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 22. This is what it says. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand... I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now listen, when you came to faith, you became part of the big body of Christ. But you are uniquely and individually gifted as part of that body. You've been given a special gift to perform a specific function. The gift that you have been given is to be used to serve one another. It's vital. The body cannot function properly without it. And you cannot function properly on your own, apart from the body. Let me illustrate this another way. How many of you like honey? I like honey. I had some this morning. Uh, I was doing some research on bees this week, and I found out a lot of stuff that I did not know about bees. Did you know that a beehive is known as a super organism? Because no bee can survive on its own apart from the hive, and the hive cannot survive unless each bee is performing its specific role. There's some specific roles that bees have within a hive. Let me tell you about some of them. There's a queen bee. Her job is to lay the eggs. There's a drones, drone bees. Their job is to fertilize the new queen. There's cleaners. They clean and polish the empty cells. There's undertakers. They're in charge of taking the dead bees out of the hive. There's nurse bees. They care for the young and the sick bees. There's builder bees. They produce the material that's used to make the honeycomb. There's temperature-controlling bees. These bees sit at the hive, and they just fan their wings to keep the hive cool. I did not know that. There's guard bees. The guards defend the colony against intruders. And there's foragers, forager bees. These are the ones we see that, that fly out and get the pollen from the, from the flowers. But I did not know that, that every bee has its specific role uh, in a hive. Do you see how, how important it is to employ your gift in serving others? Just like the hive needs each bee performing its specific function, the church body can only function properly when every believer is using the spiritual gifts that they've been given to serve others. Now, Paul, knowing that even though we've been redeemed, we still battle our fleshly desires because we're continually growing and becoming more and more like Christ as we say yes to Jesus' leadership in our lives every day. He knew there was going to be some competition over these spiritual gifts, that some people would think that their spiritual gift is more important than someone else's. So right before he talks about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, he gives this warning in Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Paul recognizes that one of the dangers involved with using your gift is that you will think more highly of it than you ought to think. And what this can lead to is us thinking that those with other gifts aren't as important to the functioning of the church. So there's some dangers that we see that are associated with our spiritual gifts. One we just talked about, we can think too highly of ourselves and our gift. The, another one is we can think too lowly 
of ourselves and the gift that God has given us. Maybe the gift that we have isn't as public as some of the other gifts, and we think, God doesn't really need me to do that, but he does. Uh, So don't think too lowly of yourself or your gift. We can be jealous of other people's gifts. And so what happens when we get jealous of someone else's spiritual gift is that we, we try to serve in the area where our gift isn't uh, because we, we want to be uh, in that area, and so we're jealous of that gift. Let me, let me give you, tell you a story about that. When I was in high school, I was in the marching band, uh, and so uh, every football season, we would, we would get ready to perform a, a halftime show. And so we would practice, we'd memorize our music, there would be movements. Uh, you guys know about marching band. Uh, but my best friends played tuba, but they were jealous of the drummers. I mean, come on, if you're a marching band, everybody wants to be a drummer. I wanted to be a drummer. Right? When I went to sign up for band in fifth grade, the, the band director said, what do you want to play? And I said, I want to play drums. He said, we have enough drummers. What else do you want to play? My mom said, uh, what's the cheapest? He said, trombone. She said, he'll play trombone. <laughs> So I ended up playing trombone. But, but if you're a marching band, everybody wants to be a drummer, right? Because the drummers are cool. So my friends were tubas, and they wanted to be drummers. So one day at practice, none of the rest of us knew, the tubas traded places with the drummers. And so as we're doing, as we're practicing on the football field, right, we're, we're getting ready to go. The tempo was going. The song was going. And suddenly, we just hear this, do, 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 do. And I see... Here comes, the, here comes the drummers just weaving in and out of everybody, right? Just hitting the drums. They had no idea what they were doing. And I thought, what are you guys? And then here comes the tubas from the other side. They're just wah, wah, wah. They have no idea how to play tuba. They're just pushing the buttons, right? And so they come weaving in and out. And I'm looking at the band director up in the press box, and you can see his arms just getting slower and slower, right? Because he doesn't know what's going on. It just turned into chaos. The rest of us quit playing because, uh, because we were just laughing so hard. And then the band director got so angry that he threw his stick out of the press box and stormed back in the school, right? Because it just turned into chaos. Well, that's what happens when you get jealous of someone else's gift. The whole thing turns into chaos. Now, why did the band director uh, get so frustrated? The, The reason the band director got so frustrated is because the performance of the band reflects on him. If it's a good performance, then, then that brings him glory. He gets praised for that. But if it's chaos... Then, then that reflects on him, uh, and it brings him dishonor and shame. It doesn't bring him glory. And it's the same with God. When we use our spiritual gifts the way that we're supposed to uh, in the church body, that brings God glory. If we get jealous of someone else's gift and try to serve in an area that, that's not our gifting, uh, that can bring God a lot of dishonor. The whole thing just, just falls apart. So uh, when each one in the church body is using their gift well, when we're loving each other the way that we're supposed to, the way that Fritz talked about last week, loving each other the way Jesus commanded us to, it's beautiful. The church body works the way it's supposed to work. And the, and the world takes notice of that. They see uh, the church and everybody using their gift, and it, and it just works. Uh, and that brings God glory. So that's one danger, uh, jealous. Another danger is that we might confuse our natural talents and abilities and skills for a spiritual gift. But Believers and unbelievers alike can be good musicians, right, or good cooks or good carpenters. So just because you have a natural talent or skill or ability, that doesn't mean that that's your spiritual gift. Uh, that, could be, that could be just a natural talent that you have. There's another warning that Paul warns Timothy about in 1 Timothy 4.14. Here's another danger. Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Uh, And so one of the things that can happen is what we talked about when we started, 
If you have a spiritual gift, you can just set it aside and neglect it. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul tells Timothy, kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. Uh, so what that means also is that we can let our spiritual gift, go, uh, our spiritual gift grow cold. Uh, again, if you have a spiritual gift and you're not using it, uh, it could just grow cold. Here in our passage, we see another couple of dangers that Peter mentions in verse 11, 1 Peter 4.11. Uh, first, let me point out again how simple Peter makes this. He helps take the mysteriousness and the confusion that we often bring to spiritual gifts away. Peter just puts the gifts into two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. It's pretty simple. You've each received a special gift from God. Use them to serve one another. And here's two categories. In verse 11, this is what Peter says. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. The danger is that when we speak, we might seek to say what we think or what is unoffensive or what we think will get us into the least amount of trouble with the culture. If we serve, we might do it out of our own strength instead of with the strength that God supplies. So if we're doing it out of our own strength, if we're serving out of our own strength and we don't feel like serving, then we won't. But if we're serving out of the strength that God supplies and we don't feel like serving, we'll go ahead and do it anyways because God has given us the strength to do it. You know, what happens is you say, you know what, God? I'm tired, but I'm going to serve anyways because I'm going to serve these kids in your strength. And when we do that, that's going to bear fruit. If you're serving in your own strength, probably not going to bear fruit. The last danger I want to mention is that we might see these gifts as mutually exclusive. So in other words, you might say, uh, I have a speaking gift, so I don't need to serve, right? Or I have the gift of serving, so I don't need to speak. But the gifts in the Word are not mutually exclusive. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that if you have a speaking gift that you can't serve. Uh, you know, somebody might say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not going to go evangelize. That's not true. One of the spiritual gifts is evangelism, but we're also told elsewhere in the Word that everybody needs to do evangelism. Well, how do you know if evangelism is your spiritual gift? Well, if you, if you take a lot of joy out of pointing someone to Christ, and if you find yourself particularly effective in pointing people to Christ, that might be an indication that you have the spiritual gift of evangelism. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do evangelism if you don't have that gift. You're still supposed to do it. So the gifts aren't mutually exclusive. So those are some dangers regarding spiritual gifts. But there's also some positives uh, that come from spiritual gifts. When we use our gifts properly, what happens is we're in community and not in isolation. Instead of being jealous of other gifts, we honor the other people and we encourage them in using their gift. Instead of letting our gift grow cold, we seek to grow in that gift. We get to use our gifts often. We get to rely on God and not on our own strength. And if we're using our gifts properly, people come to faith and the kingdom expands. Serving isn't frustrating anymore. It's still work, but it's more meaningful and effective when we're serving in the area where our spiritual gift is. And God's grace is on full display for the world to see. And the last positive is we're being a good steward of God's manifold or varied grace. The body functions properly, and it's beautiful. And that brings us to our last point. Uh, again, I love Peter's clarity. This is what he says. Each one of us has received a special gift. We're supposed to use that gift to serve one another. And then the last point, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward is a manager 
of someone else's property. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says that it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Paul exhorts us to be good stewards of the manifold or varied grace of God. I love that word, manifold. Now, it's such a colorful word in the original language, and it goes right along with what we've been talking about. Manifold means diverse or varied or various colored. In the Old Testament, this is the same word that's used in Genesis 37.3, where it's talking about Joseph's many-colored coat. If you remember that story where Joseph's dad gave him a many-colored coat, that's the word here uh, for this manifold grace. This word was also used in secular Greek writing to refer to the skin of a leopard or the different colored veining in a marble or an embroidered robe or the variations in a strain of music. All of the unique individual facets and parts that go into making the whole beautiful. Peter says, be a good steward of the unique grace gift that God has given you that goes into making the whole thing beautiful. Well, I hope you understand that spiritual gifts don't have to be mysterious and confusing. Each one has received a gift. Use it to serve other people as a good steward of your individual, colored, colorful, varied gift that makes the whole thing beautiful. Because when it's functioning properly, with everyone contributing as it should, God gets the glory. And Peter doesn't leave it there. He goes on to tell us what's at stake. At the end of verse 11, Peter says this, Use your gifts as good stewards so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's at stake is God's glory. If you're not using your gift at all, if you're neglecting your gift, if you are jealous of someone else's gift, if you think you can use your gift on your own apart from the local church body, if you've let your gift grow cold, then God is not being glorified to the extent that he could be because the body is not functioning as effectively as it could be. Conversely, if everybody in the local church body is using their spiritual gift in community and not in isolation, if we are encouraging other people to use their gifts, if we are relying on God and not our own strength, if we're using our gifts often, then God's glory will be on full display for the whole world to see. Well, that brings us to our application, right? You might, you might still be wondering, that's all great, uh, but how do I figure out what my gift is? How do I know uh, what my gift is so I, can, so I can serve? Four things, four things I want to tell you about how you can know what your gift is. The first one, read, right? There's four passages in the New Testament that talk about spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Uh, read, read this week those passages on spiritual gifts, and see what they have to say. The second thing is pray. Pray. Ask God to show you, God, uh, how do you want me to use my spiritual gift? So read and then pray. The third thing is ask. Ask somebody else who knows you in the body of Christ. Hey, where have you seen me be particularly effective uh, in ministry? Where have you been, seen me be particularly effective when I serve? So ask somebody. That could be a good indication where a spiritual gift is. And then the last one is serve. Serve. Let me say it again. Using your spiritual gift to serve one another is more important than being able to put a name on it. Even if you can't name what your spiritual gift is, if you're serving, you're going to figure out what it is. There are so many ministries at Lighthouse that you can get involved in. So try them out, right? Try kids out. 
If you, if you try for a week or a month uh, and it doesn't work out, no problem. Uh, you're not locked in. Just try coffee. If you try coffee and you find out well, that doesn't work either, no problem. Try sound, right? Whatever it is, just, just try it out. There's so many ways that you can get involved uh, and use your spiritual gift. Well, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Uh, and we always ask, ask this question here at Lighthouse. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? pray for you and we're going to sing one more song and if you want to pray you can slip out of your seat and come to the aisle we're going to have leaders in the aisles in the front who are ready to pray with you Uh, you can pray about any area of your life you don't have to be a member of lighthouse community to pray and don't ever be embarrassed to pray we all need prayer every one of us needs prayer i need prayer and you need prayer and we all need prayer if you want if you want prayer i'm going to pray for you and then i want you to come down Uh, Holy Spirit, would you draw every person who needs prayer right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.